You're listening to the podcast of Christ Walk Church in Fernandina Beach, Florida, where we exist to inspire people to follow Jesus every day. We hope that these messages encourage and challenge you to live for something more. If you'd like to know more about our church, you can find us online at thechristwalk.com. Thanks again for listening. Now here's today's message. Well, good morning, Christ Walk Church. How's everybody doing today? So good to see all of you be in the Lord's house with you. Thank you so much for um, the way you worshiped and just always does a pastor's heart good to hear his people singing uh, the Lord's praises on Sunday morning. Just an incredible time of worship together. Um, I'm excited about today's message, continuing our series. If you've got a Bible or a smart device, I want to invite you, encourage you to turn with me or swipe with me to the Old Testament. Um, we're going to be in the book of Proverbs. This is where we're going to launch from today. Uh, Proverbs chapter 1. Um, and so we'll land there in just a moment. But before we do, does anybody in the room remember the band Los Lobos? Anybody know who I'm talking about? Maybe you might not know the band, but maybe if I told you their most famous song, La Bamba, anybody remember that? Like, oh yeah, we've heard that. We've tried to forget that one. Yeah, we've, we've, we tried to forget it. Um, but that was probably their biggest hit in 1987 when I was but a young lad of six years old. They released a much lesser known song entitled, Is This All There Is? And the lyrics go something like this. Climbing high to the mountaintop, reaching up to the sky above, asking to myself, is this all there is? Sailing into the ocean blue, trying to find at least one clue on a paper scrawled. Is this all there is? Fifteen years on a sewing machine where twisted hands don't mean a thing, wondering to herself, is this all there is? A baby crying in an old tin cup, wanting more, but there's never enough, while her mother sighs, is this all there is? And they all came to talk about it, They came to cry and laugh and fight about it, all searching for the promised land, tired souls with empty hands, asking to themselves, is this all there is? Has anybody in the house this morning considered that question before? Have you ever wondered, is this all that there is? Like maybe you've thought by this time in life that you would have accomplished something more or that you would be someone different or that you would find yourself in a different situation, that maybe somehow you'd be living a a better life, whatever that means or whatever that looks like. And so at this point, when, when you consider the life that you are living and whether or not this is all there is, maybe this morning you find yourself disappointed On the flip side of that are those of us who have gotten everything that we thought that we wanted, yet despite all of that, we still feel empty inside. And we're keenly aware of the fact that life continues to pass us by and that time is slipping away with each and every day. And so just like Los Lobos, we ask that question. Is this all there is? Or could it be possible that there's something more? Could it be possible that something more is out there, that it's achievable, that it's attainable? 
And so let me go ahead and let the cat out of the bag this morning. I believe beyond a shadow of a doubt that there is something more than just what we see and have in front of us. And over the next few minutes, I hope to help you identify four keys that are going to help to not just unlock more in your life, but help you to unlock the most out of your life. Today, we're in part three of a series called The Ways of the Wise, where we're taking a look at what the Bible teaches us about living successful and fulfilled lives, how we can position ourselves to do that. Back in part one, a couple weeks ago, we talked about uh, the importance of making wise decisions and how wise people decide now what they are going to do later. And so we've been using this formula as the backdrop formula is going to be on the screen right here. We've been using this formula as the backdrop of our message series. When I am faced with blank, I will blank. That when XYZ situation comes my way, then this is how I am going to respond. This is how I am going to handle it. And I'm deciding now what I am going to do later so that when that situation arises, I've already determined who I'm going to be. And we make these kind of decisions, we make them based on our values. Because it's true that our decisions determine our direction, and our direction will ultimately determine our destination. And so over the course of this series, we're considering how we can arrive at six specific destinations in order to become people who are prepared, people who are devoted, people who are generous and faithful and consistent, and people who are finishers. And so today we're going to begin um, our message here in Proverbs chapter one. We're gonna read the first seven verses together, beginning in verse one. It reads this way. It says, these are the Proverbs of Solomon, David's son, king of Israel. Their purpose is to teach people wisdom and discipline, to help them understand the insights of the wise. Their purpose is to teach people to live disciplined and successful lives, to help them do what is right, just, and fair. These proverbs will give insight to the simple, knowledge and discernment to the young. Verse 5 continues, let the wise listen to these proverbs and become even wiser. Let those with understanding receive guidance by exploring the meaning in these proverbs and parables, the words of the wise and their riddles. The fear of the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. Now, ultimately, at the core of this passage and of so many others like it from Scripture is one simple concept, and it's the concept of devotion. And so I like to think about it like this. If, if our direction determines our destination, and if our decisions are what determine our direction, then I believe it is our devotion that informs or determines our decisions. And so with that in mind, I would contest that our level of devotion to God is ultimately what is going to determine the destination at which we are going to arrive at over the course of our lives. 
And so I believe that our, our devotion to God is, is going to be determined primarily by four different things. And so those are the four things I want to talk to you about today, the, the four things that are, are going to um, unlock God's best for your life and, and help you to not just get more out of life, but to get the most out of life. And so if you're taking notes, maybe you want to write these down. The first one of these is our pursuit, our pursuit. Consider in the words of Jesus himself what he said about what we should be devoted to. Matthew 6, Jesus says this. He says, seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. Perhaps some of you learned it in the King James translation that says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. The, 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 the decision is clear there in, in Matthew 6.33 that, that what Jesus is saying is simply this. He's saying that we should seek first what matters most. We seek first what matters most. The, the order of those things makes a difference. And so we seek first what matters most. And we can even internalize this declaration or this with a declaration. We can say, I will seek first what matters most. It's a choice that you and I have to make. And the wisest among us will be the ones who make that choice, who make that decision that, that from this point forward, I'm going to choose to seek first what matters most and then go and live their lives accordingly. And so then this brings up the question, well, what is it that matters most? And I would suggest that it's, it's really less of a what and more of a who? Because see, if, if we are to seek the kingdom of God, as Jesus says, if we're to seek the kingdom of God and to live righteously, and then if the scriptures illuminate to us the principles of a righteous lifestyle in accordance with the kingdom, and, and if Jesus is the living word of God, he's the basis, the foundation the, the, the persona of those scriptures, then, then ultimately the thing that matters most is that we be in right relationship with Jesus Christ and that we live a life of devotion to him. But then the question beyond that is, is that, well, then what does it mean to be devoted to Jesus? Like, like what does that look like? And so let's first consider the lifestyle of those who knew Jesus best, his, his original followers during his time here on earth. Like after Jesus' death, resurrection, and ascension back into heaven, what was it that they did? And the book of Acts records for us very plainly the activities that they uh, participated in and the way that they went about living their lives. Acts chapter 2, they're at the end of the chapter. We're going to read verses 42 and 43 and then skip down to 47. It says, all the believers devoted themselves. There you go. We see that word devotion. We see what they're devoting themselves to. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. 
It says a deep sense of awe came over them all, and, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Now, consider how a modern version of this verse might read. If we were looking at a lot of the church today, it might read this way. All the believers devoted themselves to themselves. They pursued a self-centered life of comfort and ease. And see, that's the truth. Because since the church began, that we see here in Acts chapter 2, there's, there's been a shift, there's been a drift, and we look at the church particularly here in America, and, and we find that we're really not a whole lot like this anymore. Because what happens is, is, is if it's left unchecked, self will always be our natural pursuit. We're always going to be in it for what's in it for us. Because let's face it, at the end of the day, if we're really honest, we all want to be liked, right? We would all prefer to be comfortable. We would, we would enjoy being popular. It would be pretty great if we were wealthy. Maybe some of you in the room, maybe you have an aspiration to be like TikTok famous or to have a job you love that pays you tons of money, or to marry your dream girl, or to buy a big house and, and, and perhaps travel the world, and then, then you hope that at the end of all of that, that you can just slide into heaven just before the pearly gate slams shut. And that will be just fine with you. And so that's how you've chosen to live your life. But, but the fact of the matter is, is that this is not who we have been called to be. It's not the model that is laid out for us to follow. We look right here in Acts chapter 2 and we see this word devoted. All the believers devoted themselves. It's the Greek word proskartereo. And, and here in Acts chapter 2, that Greek word proskartereo, it's actually presented to us in the imperfect tense, which means that it is something that is ongoing, that it is continual. That, that what, what this is revealing to us is that the disciples were continually devoted. It wasn't something that they just did one time and checked the box and said, all right, well, enough of that. Let's move on to the next thing. No, it was something that they were continually devoted to, that they had a single-minded, ongoing pursuit of Jesus Christ day after day after day after day. And I can't help but wonder that, that if this is the example of the original disciples that is highlighted by the Bible for us to read and engage with, then, then I, I can't help but believe that, that it's the way that we're meant to continue living our lives today. See, I would attest that, that the church and its people meet, need to make a concerted effort to get back to how things were at first that we need to return to our first love, that, that there's something about what these original followers of Christ did, that, that it seems like they had it right. And so that if we would get back to this and make the main thing the main thing, that that would bring a whole lot of other stuff into alignment and help us to move in the right direction. That it's the idea that, that if, if the things those early Christ followers were prioritizing, if they resulted, it says that they resulted in, in the Lord adding to their fellowship daily those who were being 
saved, if, if that is the case, then isn't that how we should be living our lives as well? Aren't those the things that we should be devoted to as well? One of the primary ways that we do this here at Christ Walk Church is through participation in what we call life groups. See, we, we understand the fact that we were not created to be alone, but rather that we were created to be in a relationship with God and in relationship with others. And we like to say that, that circles are better than rows and that together is our favorite place to be. And so my challenge to each of you is to move out of your row and get into a circle and join a life group. It just so happens that a brand new semester of life groups is starting this week. And on our website, you can find those groups that are available. You can register for them. You can be a part of them uh, this semester. They meet in, in homes and other places all over our community. We have groups available for men. We have groups available for women. We've got groups available for couples together. We have groups available for families. There's something for everyone. There is a way for you to get out of your row and get into a circle and get connected with other people and begin doing life with them them. And so I would encourage you to do that, that, that you would be devoted to that in the same way that the early church was devoted to that, that you would make it a point to make that a part of your life in this coming year. And so if you'd like to find out what groups are available and, and register for one of them as they begin to launch here over the next few weeks, you can simply go to the Christwalk.com forward slash groups or go to thechristwalk.com and click on the Life Groups tab at the top of the page. Or if you're super fancy and you use the Church Center app, all you have to do is click the Groups button at the bottom. You'll see a full listing of all of our groups and how you can register. So the first thing to unlocking the most out of our life has to do with our pursuit. The second thing is our priorities. It's our priorities. Sarah, can you come up here and help me really quick? So I have this ribbon that I've brought with me. Just grab the other end of that. This ribbon is 168 inches long. And just so happens that there are 168 hours in our week. So we're all given 168 hours to decide how we are going to use it, how we are going to determine our priorities. And the sad part is, is that right off the bat, if anyone's planning on sleeping, <laughs> there goes a third of your week. And now the, the other bad news is that, that most of us in the room, we, we have jobs or we go to school, and so then there goes another third of our week right off the bat, which leaves us with only 56 hours left to determine how we are going to live our lives. And so the average person takes 17 of those 56 hours and devotes them to social media, 
leaving only 39 hours left. And so what we cram into that 39 hours is our commute to and from work and our, our chores and going to the gym and participating in hobbies and driving kids to soccer practice and to piano lessons and helping them with homework and eating meals and going to the bathroom and brushing our teeth and all of that stuff. And oh yeah, we might wanna throw God into the mix. And so the average person, if we're lucky, gives God one hour a week. And some don't even do that. Thank you, honey. Appreciate your help. You're done. Isn't she cute? Here's the obvious point. The obvious point is that investing just one hour a week into anything is not going to lead to significant change, growth, or improvement. Exercising only one hour a week is not going to position you in a place of peak health. Spending only one hour with your spouse is not going to lead to a better more fulfilling marriage relationship. Practicing an instrument only one hour a week will not turn you into a virtuoso. It will just make you annoying to the people around you. (laughs) You get the idea. Yet this is the trap that most of us fall into. We're only partially devoted to God. And so what happens is, is we get caught up in the day-to-day and all of the, the roles and responsibilities that we play, all the different hats that we wear, and then we get into the mix of all that craziness and chaos, and we think, oh, man, I've got to make some time for God. Oh, well, that's okay. Sunday's coming. I'm going to go to church. Be fine. He'll be so appreciative that I showed up. He'll just love it, love it, love it, love it. And what happens is is we end up giving him our leftovers. See, we'll include God in our lives anytime that it's easy or convenient, but the truth is, is that never leads to anything better. That never leads to growth or improvement. That never leads to change. And so when we continue to live our lives that way, it's no wonder that all over the church we see people falling back into the same old cycles of sin. It's no wonder that we see people who find it difficult to share their faith with someone who is lost. It's, it's no wonder that we, we see people who, who find themselves concerned with just what other people think. It's no wonder that we see people who find it difficult to maintain a white-hot passion for the things of God. It's because what we've become is what I like to call hokey-pokey Christians. You know, we put our right foot in... We put our right foot out. We put our right foot in. And if you're Pentecostal, you shake it all about. (laughs) And here's the deal with that. (laughs) This is what unbelievers can't stand about us. It's when we live this way, we claim, we claim to be something that we're not. Oh, I'm so devoted to Christ. Let me show you. Here's my little ribbon. I got news for us. Jesus did not call us to easy, convenient, and comfortable. 
Jesus called us to die to self, to take up our cross, and to follow him. He has no interest in halfway in. He's only interested in all in. That's what he's looking for. And so the the deal is, is that if we're going to live a life that is fully devoted to Jesus, it's not going to happen accidentally. The only way it's going to happen is through purposefully and intentionally making the choice to live as the original disciples did with that ongoing single-minded pursuit of Jesus Christ. It's by deciding now what our priorities are going to be later. It's choosing that I will seek first what matters most. The key to unlocking the most out of our life begins with our pursuit. It hangs on our priorities. Number three, the third key is our proximity our proximity. In John 15, five, Jesus said this. He said, yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Now, when Jesus said these words, he was near a vineyard at the moment. And so he used that as an illustration, as a backdrop in order to teach his followers an important principle, that he is the vine and that we are the branches. And when the branch remains connected to the vine, what happens? Fruit is developed, it's produced. And when we remain connected to Jesus, what happens? Fruit is produced. This is not a trick question. It's okay. When we remain connected to Jesus, just in the same way that the branch remains connected to the vine, the end result is fruit. And so when we remain connected to Jesus over the long term, what happens is we start to realize the fruit of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control being born and produced in our lives. And these are the markers of the lifestyle of one who is fully devoted to Jesus. And what that person quickly begins to realize is that life no longer seems so empty and lacking. But instead, for someone who is fully devoted to Jesus, that life for them starts to be full of lasting satisfaction and fulfillment. And there's a particular word in John chapter 15, that appears 11 different times. We're going to look at another verse. Somebody just got something from Amazon. Uh, We're going to look at another verse, John 15, 4. See if you can pick up on what it is. John 15, 4, is that in there? Maybe it's not, I don't know. John 15, 4 says, remain in me and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. That word that's repeated time and time again, 11 times in that, in, in that passage, in that chapter, is the word remain. It's the Greek word meno. And it literally means to abide or to continue to be present or to wait for or to endure. And when I, when I hear those terminologies, I got to be honest, that sounds like way more than just a one-hour weekly duty to God. It 
so much more than just checking off a box and patting ourselves on the back like we've done God a favor. See, fully devoted is all in. Fully devoted is seeking what matters most. Anybody else besides me hate to vacuum? Anybody? You can be honest. I hate to vacuum. Part of the reason is because the vacuum cord is only so long and I'm super lazy. Like, I, I want to, you have to like, you know, go in and out of all the furniture and everything and it, it always gets hung up and you're trying to, you know, pull on it and tug on it and then you realize like you stretch the cord to its max and like I'm all the way on this side of the room. I don't want to have to walk all the way to that side of the room and unplug it and find another plug that's closer. It's so annoying. <laughs> but what happens is inevitably I'll do, you know, because I'm a man and I'm slow I'll do the thing, yeah, one, one clap from one woman back there. She, that's the truth, pastor. Um, I'll do the thing that men do, you know, like we try to get away with, with things that we shouldn't get away with. And so we're stretching it as far as we can. And, and we'll feel, oh, maybe if I put the cord on this side of the coffee table, I can get just a little bit further because I don't want to walk 10 whole feet to plug it into something else. And inevitably, I'll go, and with, with this zhuzh right here, it's a very theological, technical term, zhuzh. You can look that up in the Hebrew later. The cord comes unplugged, and all of a sudden, the whole thing shuts down. It's not working for me anymore. The idea is, is that we, we've got to remain, and if we're going to be effective, we've got to remain connected to our power source got to stay connected to the power source because the, the truth is, is that the branch needs the vine. The branch needs the vine because if we don't stay connected, we'll end up dying. We'll shrivel up, we'll turn brown and then black and just a nasty mess. If, if we're not connected to the vine, we're not going to get the nutrients that we need. If, if we're not connected to the vine, we're no longer going to be able to produce and bear fruit if we're not connected to the vine, the vine's going to end up snapping much more easily. And make no mistake about it, this is exactly what the enemy wants in each and every one of our lives. To distract us and fill our time with all this other useless nonsense so that we forget to remain connected to Jesus. So that's why it's integral that right now, you and I, that we make the decision that we're going to be the kind of people who seek first what matters most through our pursuit, our priorities, our proximity, and fourth and finally, our plan. Our plan. Let's get super practical, like some nuts and bolts. As I said before, devotion to Jesus, it's, it's not going to happen by accident. We have to be intentional with our plan. So there's some decisions that you need to make ahead of time. You, you need to decide on a time. Like maybe yours is going to be before the kids wake up and the house starts brimming with chaos or maybe it's going to be on your lunch break or perhaps after you go to the gym. You got to decide on what time of day. When are you at your best? Where, where is, is, is that going to serve that, that you're going to make that consistent, that this is the time that I'm going to set aside? Because if we don't, if we don't set aside time, things are going to get away from us. And those 168 hours are going to get filled up really quickly. Not only do we have to decide on a time, we've also got to decide on a place. 
Maybe it's in your favorite recliner or maybe it's out on the porch swing or maybe it's in the bathroom or on your commute to or from work. But you gotta decide at, at this time, I'm gonna get myself in this place so that I can create some space to connect with Jesus. We decide on a time, we decide on a place. The third thing we gotta decide is an objective. What are we gonna do when we get there? What are we gonna do when we get there? Maybe it's reading a, a plan on the YouVersion Bible app, or maybe it's having a, a soap journal where you're taking a, you're taking a passage of scripture and you're breaking it down. Scripture, observation, application, and prayer. And maybe each and every day you're at that time and at that place, you're pulling out the journal and you're, you're writing down the things from scripture that the Lord is teaching you. Maybe you're gonna include a prayer list where you're praying for the needs of those that are around you. You're praying for those in your life that they're close to you, but they're far from God and you're believing for their salvation. Whatever that looks like, you, you decide on a time, you decide on a place, and then you decide on an objective. And then each and every day at that time, at that place, with that objective, that's where you go and you meet with Jesus. My friend Jason Starrett, who was here earlier in, in 2022, he came to preach for us. Incredible message. He's an incredible guy. Awesome leader. Voice in my life. His, his pastor at the chapel down in uh, Trinity, Florida. Pastor Q, Mark Quattrochi. He talks about it like this. He, he says that we need to master our morning. We need to master our morning. And he encourages people to actually start the day this way. And it's based on the concept that if you master your day, or if you want to master your day, then, then you start off by mastering your morning. And, and if you consistently master your morning, then pretty quickly you're going to start to master your life. See, the truth is, is that we all have the same 168 hours this week. So let's be intentional to set aside some time to talk to God, to listen to God, to read God's word, and to align our hearts with the principles and the practices and the power that we find in the scriptures. It may not happen immediately, but what I do know to be true, because I've experienced it in my own life, is that when we begin to do this regularly and consistently, same time, same place, same objective, and we come back to that again and again and again, what happens is, is our hearts begin to change. Our desires begin to shift. We begin to recognize God's voice with a little bit more clarity. He ends up directing our steps with a little bit more comfortability. We'll end up filled with his wisdom as a result. And we'll be able to live as those people that we read about. Those that decided now what they were going to do later. But you need to know something very important. All of this comes at a price. It's going to cost you. Because if we're going to give God more than just one hour a week on Sunday morning, it means that something else along the way is going to have to be sacrificed. But here's the decision that I've made in my life. 
while I can't speak for the rest of you, I've decided that I want to give God the best of me instead of the rest of me. I want to give God the best of me instead of the rest of me because what I know about God is that he does not desire our leftovers. He wants to be more than just a part of our lives. He longs for us to come to the place where we realize that he is our life. So we've got to decide now. We're going to seek first what matters most. That we're going to allow that to impact every aspect of our lives. Not just what takes place within these four walls on a Sunday morning. But we're going to let that spill over into what happens on the job. We're going to let that trickle down into how we handle our finances. We're, we're going to let that make a difference in how we parent. We're going to allow that to have an impact on the relationship that we share with our spouse and on and on and on in every different aspect of our life. In every single part of my life, I'm going to choose first. I'm going to choose to seek first the thing that matters most. Many of you know that my grandmother, my mom's mom, passed away in May of 2022. And I was at my mom's house for Thanksgiving just a few months ago. And she had a Bible that my grandmother had, and, and it, was, it had one of, those, one of those Bible covers on it, you know, kind of zipped up, one of those old school kind of things. And but I'd gotten that and I was, I was just looking, looking through it. And I, I noticed that, that in the front cover, there was a bunch of just scrap pieces of paper that were kind of folded up and, and, and stuffed into the, the front cover of uh, the front little flap of that Bible cover. And I, I pulled those out and I began to, to look at them and discovered that she had received that Bible from someone in 2006. And on the first piece of paper in a stack of other papers like it, it, it said in my grandmother's cursive handwriting, I started reading this Bible for the first time on such and such date in 2006. And then a little bit on down the page, it said, and I finished reading this Bible for the first time on such and such date, 2007. And then the next piece of paper said, I started reading the Bible again on this date in 2007 and I finished on this date in 2008. And the third piece of paper said, I, I read this Bible again beginning on this date in 2008 and then this time I think she had finished it in 2008 again. And then on and on and on. Y'all, I looked through in the stack of papers from 2006 when she was given that particular Bible until she died in 2022, 16 years. She read the Bible cover to cover 27 times. A lot of people go their entire life without doing it once. My grandmother got it. She understood what it meant to seek first what mattered most. I'm so grateful that I got the opportunity to see that. That's part of my legacy. And because I'm the pastor of this church, guess what? That means it's part of your legacy as well. 
that this is what we get to share in. These mighty examples of the faith that have gone before us that that are passing these things down to us that, that just like those disciples of old all the way back at the beginning that they're showing us the way of how to live. This is how you behave. This is how you act. This is what you get in line. This is what it means to seek first what matters most. So I ask you this, at the end of your life, Who do you want to be? Like when it's all said and done, like, who do you want to be? I know who I want to be. I want to be somebody that decided they were going to live for something more than just what they could see in front of them. And I'm going to accomplish that in my life by choosing to seek first what matters most. See, here's what I know. My grandmother could have never waited until the end of her life to read through the Bible 27 times. And you and I, we can't wait until the end of our lives to become who we want to become because by then it's gonna be too late. And so I challenge you instead to start living now like you'll wish you would have lived then. Start living now, like at the end of your life, the way that you wish you would have been living up to that point. Because we're never gonna become fully devoted to Jesus by accident. It's gonna depend on us being purposeful and intentional in the areas of our pursuits, our priorities, our proximity, and our plan. And we can do that by choosing to seek first what matters most. In closing, I'll leave you with this thought from Pastor Craig Rochelle. He says this, if it's not important, you'll find an excuse. But if it is important, you'll find a way. So with the 168 hours we've been given every single week, let's find a way to be the branch that is tapped into the vine of the life source of Jesus Christ. And together, let's choose to seek first what matters most because we are a people that are fully devoted to Jesus. Amen. For somebody in this house, for someone watching online, it's going to begin today by choosing to place your faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Up to this point, you've never connected yourself to the vine, but today you're ready to make that decision. I want to invite you to pray this simple prayer with me. Can we pray together? Heavenly Father, I admit that I'm a sinner and that I'm lost without you. I believe that Jesus died in my place, making a way for us to have a relationship. Today, I choose to follow Jesus in his way for the rest of my life. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Christ Walk Church podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss out on future episodes. To find out more information about Christ Walk Church, including our service times, how to connect with us on social media, and the ministry opportunities we have for you and your family, simply visit our website at thechristwalk.com. Thanks again for listening, and don't forget, because of Jesus, the best is yet to come.